welcome to another episode of Ebar Go, the horror movie review podcast focusing on franchises. I'm your host, Damien. And I'm your other host, Tris. How are we doing, Damien? We are doing Halloween 2, the second Ooh. installment into the mighty franchise that is the Halloween franchise. Anyone would think it were coming up to Halloween. I know. It's just crazy how we just randomly chose Halloween around this time of year. Absolutely no coincidence whatsoever. I'll tell you something, though. Being Yorkshire has trumped my need to keep my mask on at all times. So I'm just going to uh, <laughs> take a sip of this. One thing you need to know about us guys is we are Yorkshire through and through, which means I am armed with my Yorkshire tea biscuit brew. Armed and dangerous. Yorkshireman born and bred, strong in the arm, thick in head. <laughs> but yeah, Yorkshire tea, 100% satisfaction every single time, right? Absolutely. And don't give me any of these typhoon, PG tips, tetley rubbish, Yorkshire tea. And anybody who argues otherwise is is wrong. Maybe we should get, you know, like sponsorship from Yorkshire tea or something like that. Yeah, please give us money to drink yeah, your... Give, give us money to keep keep this going and or just send us free tea. It's not just because we're old either. I mean, like, I'm 31. It's just, so... just better. I mean, I was just as serious about tea when I was 16. If somebody had tried serving me PG tips at 16, I'd have, well, I wouldn't have done anything because I was a little skinny nerd at the time, but I'd have definitely talked behind the backs. And I've definitely sent them a you know when we've, laugh. <laughs> But when we've worked with each other, both musicians uh, in the same band, we always demand Yorkshire tea on our rider, don't we? And if anybody dare give us PG tips or typhoon, oof, we're not divas or anything, but you know we've got standards. Well, you're not a diva. If I don't get my water served at room temperature, then there's fucking hell to pay, bro. Um, well, I wasn't that... going to say that, but, you know, I was trying to support your whole manly, I'm in a mask, I'm scary, I'm Yorkshire. Oh, there we go. Anyway, swiftly moving on. So uh, on this podcast, we are going to be covering the sequel to the last movie that we covered in the podcast, uh, Halloween. So, of course, Halloween Two. So, Demo, what do we think of this one? Tell me your history. When did you sort of, uh, when did you first see this one? What's your history with this film? I watched this pretty soon after watching the original, so I was still pretty young when I watched it. And I didn't really remember all that much about it. I remember, it, again, being quite underwhelmed by it. It's a film, it's a movie that I've grown to really love as I've gotten older. I think I had a bad copy of it. I'm a big collector of Blu-rays, DVDs for my horror movies. And yeah, I've got a vintage <laughs> collection of 1950s pornography, but that's another podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big collector of Blu-rays and DVDs. I'm, I, I like to be able to uh, to hold it in my hand and check out the features and, and all that sort of thing. I, I had the Halloween collection on Blu-ray and a lot of them were imports from Europe. Because that's With Blu-rays, a lot of them a German imports, Blu-rays are easy to get out there. And I remember getting this import, this Blu-ray Halloween 2, years ago, and watching it and thinking, oh, man, this is fucking terrible. This is the tamest shit I've ever seen. But it didn't really reconcile with the experience. I, I watched it when I was a kid, where I remember it being a bit more gorier. And then I realised a bit later on down the line that the German horror movies are all cut to shit. Like, the rating, the censor board over there are like way worse than over here or other places in Europe. So they cut, yeah, well, but yeah, they, cut all the, they cut all the good shit. So I, uh, I quickly sold on all my European imports and, and bought the Italian box set. <laughs> Fucking awesome. I love the, I love the Italians. They, they, they know their horror. Um, <laughs> they know the awesome. cars as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah everything Italian is just better. 
everything in the country itself is just just incredible but the, yeah the box set's beautiful it comes with this 100 page booklet which is great but shit for me because it's in italian but, um, <laughs> but the movies are in, i've all got english all got english audio and i rewatched halloween 2 and absolutely fell in love with it all over again i i found it to be a fantastic experience so my my history with Halloween 2 is first being underwhelmed and then being pissed off and then having to search out again in order to, to reassess it as a, as a grown-up. Uh, how about you? I have to be honest, I don't really have any experience with this one. I hadn't actually seen it before actually watching it again for, well, watching it for the first time for, for the sake of the podcast. It's one of them that after sort of seeing the first one, it not being you know, my cup of tea, as you held up your, your cup of tea. Reminded me of that. There we go. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just one that's sort of passed me by, as has every other film in the franchise after the first one. I think being so probably underwhelmed when I watched the first one so young, I just never sort of really, really picked it up again. So it was with fresh eyes, completely fresh eyes. So I came into it without really any expectations apart from hoping it was better than the first one. Because as you know, if you actually watched the uh, the last podcast, I wasn't enthralled with it. I yeah. gave it a solid 2.5 or out of 5 or 5 out of 10. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fresh, eye, fresh eyes on this one. But hopefully. I mean, this one was not directed by John Carpenter. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal, who basically was this up-and-coming director and, like, the agent for John Carpenter went up to Rick Rosenthal and said, look, we manage John Carpenter. We will give you all the shit he doesn't want. <laughs> and that's how they convinced him to join their agency. Bear in mind, Carpenter was fucking big news at the time. He'd gone on to do like the thing, which actually was a fair thing, Bond, but he'd done like Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, and all those sort of huge movies that came out over time. So I, I can see why it'd be a big, a big lure for Rick Rosenthal to, uh, to go with the company that could get him the stuff that John Carpenter were too busy to do. And the reason John Carpenter didn't direct this one was he didn't really want to do it. He thought there was no more story to tell with Michael Myers. He thought that, that you know, at the end of Halloween 1, the, the, the idea was that he's the boogeyman, he's the shape, he's always going to be out there ready to, to get you. And that's where the, the fear comes from. And, and to an extent, I absolutely agree with that. But Hollywood being what it is and movie studios being what they are and seeing all those dollars that the first one brought in, of course there was always going to be a sequel. And bear in mind, by this yeah, and bear in mind, by this time, Friday the 13th had come out and was looking to do a sequel as well. So they'd seen that Slashers was just major business at this time. That was all that was going on in the early 80s. It was just Slashers, Slashers, Slashers. Well, they were all making ridiculous money. So John Carpenter agreed to come on board again with, with Deborah Hill, mainly because he didn't really earn anything from Halloween 1. Uh, like He didn't make a lot of money from it. So he thought this was a good way for him to make some of that money back that he didn't get with the first one. So it's a weird motivation you know with, with with the second one you've got the iconic director that didn't really feel there was another film to be made but just came on for the money a director that really just gets john carpenter's cast-offs it's not a good start is it? it's not and really hidden amongst a lot of slasher movies that were, were bigger you know that were bigger at the time but halloween was known as the daddy of the slashers you know with 1970 i was known as the big one so of course they were going to do a sequel. And he, again, he kind of left it open at the end of the first one as well, didn't it, for 
a sequel if they so wish. So just the way that it ended it. Oh, I know yeah. I know obviously Carpenter said the Boogeyman was always going to be out there, you know, that's where the fear came from. But they also did it so they actually deliberately left it open for your own imagination, which always leaves that type of thing open to a sequel. True. Unless yeah. the franchise is born. I mean back then sequels weren't gospel, you know, back back in nineteen seventy-eight, like not every film would get a sequel out there no. like like they do now or like they did started to, you know, in the early to mid-80s, sequels became, like, the rule of thumb that weren't... So it's it's even thumb. got to, like, modern modern sort of, like, times now, in sort of, like, 2021, where we're actually making sequels of movies from 20, 30 years ago because yeah, yeah. there's money to be made from it. So, yeah, definitely wasn't something which was, like you say, a definite thing that was going to come, whereas now we've done that many sequels of everything else. We're now trying to make sequels of movies that are 30, 40 year old or do remakes because we can't come up with our own ideas. So we're not going to go blow by blow through the plot because it's boring as shit and we don't want to do that. Plus, I, I can never remember the events in order. But we do spoilers on this show, so if you've not seen it, go and watch it. I don't know where you watched it. I mean, I watched it on Blu-ray, but I think they're all streaming on Netflix right now. Is that right? They are. I watched it on Netflix as well. They are all on Netflix at the moment. They are also on Amazon Prime, but you do actually have to pay for those at the moment. Typical. Uh, it's coming up to Halloween. People want to watch horror movies, so let's uh, let's slap a, a nice big price tag on it. Uh, whereas uh, on Netflix at the moment, it is actually uh, free for all Netflix, Netflix customers as everything is on there. So, yeah, Netflix, you can get them on there if you've got Netflix. Give us money, Netflix. Give it down to Netflix. Or just buy them. Just buy them. Right or just now. buy it. Or just buy well, it on Blu-ray and watch it whenever you want. Or if you've got Shudder, it's also on there, I believe, as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so we do spoilers on this show. This movie picks up immediately where um, where Halloween leaves off. Jamie's all kinds of fucked up from surviving the finale against Michael Myers, and she's ended, she ends up rushed to hospital. But Michael Myers returns to finish the job he did not complete. In the first film. And <coughs> I shouldn't have done that voice, you know. And it's all right. Have, an, have, another sip, have another sip of brew. Yeah, you, you talk. You talk more. Talk more about what so, happened. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's one of those films where they do start directly after the events. So Laurie is taken to hospital and straight away we meet the prospective person that he's thrown as the love interest. And I completely forget his name. Damo, remind yeah. me. Jimmy, that's the one. Most relevant uh, person in cinema history. Uh, <laughs> you do think at this stage that you know he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the new sort of big character on the block. He's going to be the macho man in in this. But yeah, it does turn out to be pretty pointless as we go uh, sort of through the film. So uh, Laurie is taken to the local hospital, which as they actually arrive in the ambulance you start to realise something's not quite right with this hospital. It is the quietest hospital in the world. <laughs> I mean, it is... There's literally not a car... The car The car park's empty. There's one ambulance loading up to the doors. And yeah, I get it's like a, you know, a suburban sort of town in the middle of nowhere, but it's a fucking massive car park and a fairly decent-sized hospital for such a tiny little town. And it's empty. It is dead. Maybe that's playing to something. I'm going to ask you right off the bat. I said we we do spoilers on this. If you've not seen it, go watch it because what I'm about to say now will spoil well most of the next few minutes. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Laurie Strode being Michael's long lost sister? Yeah, that one was a bit of a curveball mm. and wasn't expected until obviously we saw you know the clips where it it kind of pertained to that. It was pointing towards that, but yeah, that was a curveball. I wasn't sure I was quite happy with. 
Um, no, I hate it. Um, I, I'm not sure I like it at all. Yeah, it, it I like the fit. movie, but I, I hate the... And this, to be fair, this sets the scene for at least the next six or well, six to eight movies in the franchise. But as much as like, I don't believe that Halloween 1 is the scariest movie ever, but I do believe it's a good movie. And I think one of the big, big creep factors about Michael Myers is he's the boogeyman. There's no motive to his evil. He just is evil. You know, yeah, there's no sort of connection. No yeah, personal connection to it. The reason he is because he she, saw her as she was posting the keys. Posting the, the keys, yeah. House. Like just a one-off connection, a brief moment in time can be all that it needs to attract evil. And I think that's where one of the big creep factors of the original plays in. And then to Absolutely. make it all about he's chasing his sister i think it humanizes him more than it needs to i mean it works with jason Voorhees with his backstory being you know he was a kid that drowned in the lake and grows up to avenge his mum that, that kind of works there but the whole point with michael myers is meant to be just the boogeyman that you know the shape and i think that having this sibling it makes it too um centric around laurie strode and more about humanizing which, which I, I don't think i don't think works yeah, it's a backstory that didn't really need to be there, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, though. One thing I do love about this movie, straight off the bat, is Loomis. If you thought Donald Pleasance was corny in, in the first one... Oh, he's going to dial it up to 11. Oh, my God. I absolutely love it as well. Six times! I shot him six times! How many times does he say? He must say it at least six times himself. <laughs> <laughs> he shot him six times, but I'm just going to go back to the first one. Shot him six times, he got up and walked away with that fucking knitting needle. Oh, lethal. Exactly. He's using the wrong weapon. He should be, he should be, <laughs> he should be just fucking slicing. But yeah, like he does, he says the six times thing, which is absolutely hilarious. And but then he's, uh, he goes across to the neighbors, and the neighbor comes out and he's like, Hey, what's going on there? He's, scared, he's scaring me to death. And he's like, You don't know what death is. <laughs> that's just the weirdest thing to say to someone yeah he starts to go a little bit crazy in this one doesn't he he does and he gets progressively more crazy through all the films that he's in but I think Crazy Loomis in Halloween 2 is my favourite Loomis from the entire series he, this movie for me without Loomis there is no movie without Donald Pleasance doing Loomis so so cornerly in this and he just he's just running around causing as much damage as Michael Myers is when he's carrying the gun and he sees a guy dressed in the same mask as Michael Myers, he starts pointing the gun at him. He's like, who are you? And then a fucking ambulance just out of nowhere comes crashing in. Or is it a police car? Smashes into the kid and pins him to a truck and kills him instantly and burns yeah. him alive. Like, that's Loomis's fault. Dude, fucking, who's the worst one here? Is it Michael Myers or is it fucking Loomis? I think that's sort of the de development of that character. And I think something that you said in the first podcast as well, that whole obsession starts to become very realistic in Loomis's character in this one. And I actually can quite see that obsession, that need to track down Michael, that need to put an end to it, that need to make sure that it doesn't hurt anybody else again, really comes out. And it, it comes over a little bit crazy. There's definitely a nastiness to this film more so than in the last movie. You know, in the first movie, there's that whole thing where Jamie Lee Curtis is, or Laurie Strode is, is really shy, but she's got a thing for that kid, Ben Tramer. They're trying to set him up with it. Well, the guy that dies in that mask in Halloween 2 is meant to be Ben Tramer. Like, you don't catch it unless you've listened. For, I mean, I, I only found out about it because I'd heard it on one of the documentaries on the extras. Oh, it's that Ben Tramer kid. So, like, the love interest from the first movie is just killed in such, like, a, a brutal fashion in this movie. And, and I think it carries on through the film. Like, the kills in this movie are all fantastic. Like, as tame and as silly as I thought they were in the first one, 
the second one, it really it catches up with a lot of its peers, like in, in terms of Friday the 13th and other horror films that was out of time, like Maniac, and probably not as brutal as Maniac. The one that comes to mind is my favourite kill in all of the franchise. You mentioned it to me earlier, Tristy, that nurse's head in the... Uh, oh, yeah, the turning the hydrotherapy pool up to, uh, you know, like, I love how it actually had labelled scalding. Yeah, not just hot or not danger, scalding. Yeah, it, it had to tell you how hot that was in the fact that it was scalding. <laughs> this gonna fuck you up. <laughs> There's a lot more meanness to the kills, which which I love. I, that's not a detraction from me. I, I think it works massively in its favour. Particularly placed to my yeah, placed to my favour as well because I I prefer it to be more realistic. Where I thought the kills in the first one were really tame, a bit silly, and having no realism at all. Whereas this one, you actually get to see a slightly more sadistic side to Michael that more unhinged side to him that, you know, he will kill in different ways rather than just stabbing people or strangling people. He actually gets the planning, the pre-planning of, you know, making sure they're in there, making sure he's turning it up to that thing with the view to them then getting out. And I think the popularity of Friday the 13th and other slasher movies had a direct impact on that. In Friday the 13th, there's such a variety of kills. Tom Savini did the, uh, the makeup effect in Friday the 13th. You had so many different, you know, graduation day. I think that was around about the same time. There was a big variety, of, which it sounds really macabre when you talk about it now, like, oh, dude, you got to kill people in loads of different ways. But the first, yeah, the first Halloween, it's more about the suspense and the kills are kind of an afterthought. I, I, yeah, they're a bit secondary, them. aren't they? Yeah, and, and in this one, it is all about the kills. And I think that's a direct influence from what was going on in, in pop culture at the time. But on the flip side, as good as that is, for me, as a fan of a slasher movie, it also kind of loses what made the original stand out by itself, which was that focus on suspense and building up of tension. There is a bit of that in this one, but it's very much... I think Roger Ebert says it, because Roger Ebert hated this movie when it came out. I disagree with him, but he said he wasn't scared, he was just grossed out. And also, it's like a copy of the copies. Because all of these films like Friday the 13th were all copies of Halloween and Halloween 2 feels like a copy of the copy. So I do feel like going down that route of creative kills, gore, kind of breaks it away from the original, kind of mixes it in with the pack a little bit more, loses a bit yeah, of originality. It's not as simplistic, is it, as well? Uh, which is no, what the first not. one was all about. Although we say that the kills were tame, they were very simplistic. It was The killings were very primal. They were very instinctive. They yeah. weren't premeditated and thought out like they seem to be uh, in this one. Uh, I, know, I know we'll talk about some of the other sort of kills uh, as well. Uh, but just going back to that sort of Ben Tramer thing where you see the, the kid in obviously dressed like Michael Myers, what did you think to that addition in there? Because I think it kind of takes away the originality by having a kid dressed like that. True. I don't think it's as bad in this one as I do in later ones. What you've got to bear in mind with the Shatner mask for Michael Myers is... The second one takes place immediately following the first one. And yeah. Michael gets that mask because he broke into a Halloween shop or, you know, a party store. And, you know, you find out, don't you, from that sheriff in the original yeah. that he somebody had broken and, and nicked a couple of knives and, and some masks. So it doesn't really take me out of it to find out that somebody else was wearing that mask because Michael Myers isn't really a thing at that time. It's, this is the same night as a Halloween one. Yeah, that's true. When you watch Exactly yeah, Down yeah. in like Halloween 4, maybe, there's like people cropping up in Myers masks all the time. And you're like, really? In Haddonfield, after there'd been a massacre, it would be viewed as poor taste. And it kind of, it's a little bit yeah. more unbelievable. But I don't really see the issue with it too much in the second one. Fair play. 
So other than the uh, the whole hydrotherapy spa side of things, so what is your second favourite kill in this movie? Oh, good one. I like the one in the house. You know, the beginning of the film, Michael's like, obviously recovered from being shot six times. He's wandering around and he just walks into this house and picks his kitchen knife up, don't even there's like the old lady and the old man. Yeah. And he just stabs the old lady with it. I think that's a really good kill because I think that's what I wanted to see in Halloween 1. He appears, doesn't he? You get that whole thing like in the first film where the camera pans and you just see him in the background. You know, you get that creep factor and then you get the brutality. Yeah, you never, you never sort of actually see him doing the killing, do you? It's like a first person. So you just mm. see the, the old lady scream and then the blood appear and after you've seen like the blood on the table. Yeah, never thought of that one as a good one, but yeah. I think it has a creep factor with it as well, which is some of it is missed later on. But I mean... Going through the, the movie, I mean, Laurie Strode doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie, does she? she um, mm-hmm. She's a bit out of it, isn't it? Obviously, she's leading into various positions within the hospital as he tries to track her down and stuff like that, which leads to various killings of different people in different ways. But yeah, she's kind of a bit part in this one, isn't she? She's kind of pulling the strings, but without much to do. I think it might be because of that fucking awful wig she's got on. Because she that's not <laughs> her real hair in this movie. She cut it short for a different role. So if you had to put this wig on, once you've seen it, you can't really unsee it. <laughs> like if you compare a hair to the you know, original, it's like styled and this and that. And then like you see it in this movie, it's all fucking bushy and looks fake as she's she's kinda of known as an actress for a shorter hairstyle, yeah, isn't she? She is, yeah. So rather than a long hair. So what was it four years after or five years after the original in seventy eight? Was it eighty three? Nineteen eighty one, this one. Eighty one. Let me just look at Wikipedia, because we don't do research on this show. Why would you do no. research when you can just Wikipedia at the drop of a hat? 1981. It was also... It's a, it's a great year, that. It's the year I was born. You know, all great things come from 1981. Yeah, of course. Just reminds me how old you are. Um, I think it focuses more on Loomis, which I think is one of its strengths because of how much yeah. time in this up. And, like, we lose Sheriff Brackett, because obviously Annie dies in the first one, and she's his daughter. And then Loomis just sort of rocks up and uh, Brackett blames him. And he, he's like, he's your fucking monster. You let him out. And he's like, no, I didn't. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then the deputy just suddenly falls in and starts obeying absolutely everything that, that Loomis starts. He's like, come with me. We need to do this. We need to do that. I'm like thinking, Loomis, you're just a fucking doctor from a mental home. Like, what jurisdiction <laughs> do you have to order a sheriff's department around? But he likes to wave his gun around a fair bit. I, I quite, think... like, quite like the really corny bit when uh, he's like taken away and he realises that where Michael Myers is actually going to be. And he literally says, no, we can't turn back. We're under orders. And he goes, what is it that you fellas do? You fire a warning shot and shoots the window out and the car immediately turns around and fucks it back to the hospital. <laughs> it's like, that's all you needed. You just needed to shoot a window out. But then he's only got five bullets. Yeah. It's a six real gun. Time, yeah. <laughs> I think I feel like Loomis is like one of those crazy old blokes you get in the pub. You know, on a, on a Sunday night, we like to speak the mind, <laughs> and he'll just sit there and talk to you, like, in, in, in very animated ways about... Over a pint of stones. Yeah, or a pint of stones, or, or, or whatever, and he'll be, like, putting the world to right, and you just, like, all right, chill out, mate, have a good one, I'll see you later. Just, someone needs to take that gun away from Loomis. He's doing damage with it, he's not part of the solution whatsoever at this point. He's killing random people by accident, but he's incredibly entertaining to watch. Yeah. It's kind of the gel, the gel that holds this film together in Absolutely. many ways. Because he's sort of, it's his actions that are directing us to where we need to go around this film. He's certainly not a pointless character, unlike Jimmy, as we, we mentioned earlier. 
supposed love interest for Laurie, who turns out to be the most ridiculous character ever in this this film. So we were talking about sort of kills. Obviously, he lasts quite long in this hospital by happening to be wherever he needs to be at the right time not to get killed and ends up walking in on, is it Miss Alice? Who's literally had like her blood drained out of him. But as as he walks into the room, you can't really see what's wrong with her. But then you look around and you see that she's sort of like had her blood drained out of her artery. And all of a sudden the blood's all over the room and he turns around and tries to leave and he slips on the blood and falls headfirst into the floor and pretty much knocks himself out. Strangely enough, he arrives probably about 10 to 15 minutes later in the film at the car as Laurie's sort of trying to escape. She's got out of the hospital. She's hiding in the car. Why the fuck he would hide in a car? Why not just <laughs> run away? But she decides to hide in a car that's had its tires slashed and he finds her. And strangely, he's in a few minutes earlier, he sort of, you know, fell into that blood. He's wearing pristine shirt, nice and clean, hair all done, not a spot of blood on him. And then he sort of passes out and alerts Michael Myers by falling on the horn. Means Laurie gets out of the car. That was his entire purpose in that entire film, and it was pretty pointless. Yeah, I mean, to say he was so heavily concussed, he had time to change his entire outfit and uh, wash all that blood off him, so he must have been doing all right. Um, yeah, especially while there's a mad killer on the loose as well, you know. That's the first thing I think about. Where can I get a change of clothes? I feel like there was more of a subplot that was meant to be there for Jimmy and Laurie. I know that there's a different cut of this movie, like a TV cut. I've not seen it before. It needed to be a bit longer because I think at that time, TV cuts needed to be to reach 90 minutes plus. These these first two films are pretty much like 90, 91, 92 minutes. They're very short for films. They needed to add more scenes into the second one to get it up to TV standards um, for time running so they could put commercials in it. Um, Yeah, and of course commercials weren't that popular back then. It wasn't like it is now. Yeah, so they added more scenes with Jimmy in, in the TV cut, which I think specifically around the final scenes of the film, when uh, they take Laurie away in the ambulance. I think Jimmy goes with her or something like that. On a more interesting note, what do you think of the Michael Myers mask in this movie? It definitely looks a little bit weird. And, and bearing weird. in mind, I watched the first one and the second one pretty much back to back. Yeah. So it looks very, very different. Um, he slicks his hair back. He's, he's almost ginger and blonde in certain, in certain scenes. Yeah, and it looks a lot more stretched where you think if something's a little bit old and worn and stuff like that, it'd be probably a little bit more saggy, but it looks still gone the, the sort of opposite. And, and certainly when you see the two films back to back, it does look very, very different. Um, yeah. And it's almost a, a different character if you didn't know it was actually the same person. So, yeah, definitely a bit weird. Yeah, it's one of my least favourite masks of a franchise it's weird because the hair's slicked back and you just wonder, what, you know, if, if Michael Myers has gone Italian with grease and just greased his hair back a little bit. <laughs> uh, it looks dodgy as fuck. Also, it's a different actor playing, yeah, uh, is, playing, yeah. uh, playing Michael Myers in this one. Care to guess the name of the actor playing it? Go on. Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock. That's a great fucking name. He's a penis wizard. That's it. Penis wizard. Penis wizard. <laughs> For me, he doesn't do a great job as Michael. He's not the worst by a long shot, but the uh, Nick Castle, who did the original, is a far better Michael for me. He has a few good scenes. I mean, he does. the kills are all right. Again, we get another knife kill that makes no sense. Well, it's not really a knife. It's a scalpel. In the first one, yeah. he turns a guy to a wall with a knife. This one, he manages to pick an entire woman up with, with a scalpel. Yeah, with a tiny back. scalpel blade as well. And like it could hold everything up. It's just like defying gravity. Yeah, it's a little bit strange, that one. I'm not sure whether it looks good or whether it looks bad. 
Because on one hand, like him lifting somebody up with a weapon is great. If it was a sword or something like that, or in the uh, in the fourth one, there's a kill where he just gets a, a shotgun and stabs it through someone. Like that's kind of cool. But this is like, like you say, it's a fucking. It's almost like a dentist's scalpel. It's so fucking small. It's a bit implausible. It's a good kill, I think. Yeah, talking about little silly things in in this film, just sort of going on to sort of like the final battle sort of part where. Oh, Laurie, yeah. she's sort of chased her through the hospital. She's managed to escape into a lift and crawls through the window. And you know, finally, she's trapped in a room. Loomis is there as well. Six shots and he's gone. Acting a little bit crazy while Laurie's all in the corner. She manages to take the gun that Loomis gave her. And you see the shot. She fires off two shots. One that looks like it hits him in the head. The other that looks like it hits him in the chest. Then he kind of turns around and you realise she's got him perfectly in both eyes. Yeah. Which is amazing considering she was closing her eyes and cowering as she did it. <laughs> um, and that Crash was just shot. a little bit... The way that the effects did, you could sort of like see... They probably meant the effect to hit on the chest. You could physically see where it was supposed to hit, but then yeah. all of a sudden it was the eyes. And there was a few continuity errors like that in this film, which I didn't like. I, also, I like right, things to be... If you get shot in both eyes, you're not just going to wander around like stabbing. Like, you're fucking dead. If you get shot through the yeah. eyes, I'm not just. But he just stands. Something. He just stands up, slashing, and then turns around and slashes the other way. And it's like he gets just close enough to her to not hit her, and then turns around. And it's like all of a sudden he gets shot in the eyes, and he can't do anything anymore. And it becomes more a comedy scene than it does realistic. I agree. And I don't that, think it works that, well. This scene. No, that ending to it, getting so close to the end, kind of ruined the whole build-up that they'd done within this film for me because he, he turned Michael Myers into a comedy character, yeah, where he just couldn't do anything. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's no longer human. He's some kind of supernatural weird being because he's just been shot in the eyes. You, like you said, you're dead. But in the it's first film, he gets stabbed in the neck. Yeah, he gets stabbed in the neck with a knitting needle and he goes down. He got mm. shot by Loomis earlier. He goes down and then gets back up again. But he gets shot in both eyes, and he's absolutely fine. But I have to say, nice big explosion for the ending. Yeah, it's got a very final feel to it. Yeah, and I know absolutely. That's John Carpenter wanted that to be the end of the Michael Myers story. He only wanted it to go for one movie. It went to two. He wanted this to be the end, so he wanted to make it as final as possible, having him... Yeah, you even see the end as well when he comes running out all in flames. And I love the fact that you can tell it's a guy in a fire retardant suit with gloves on. Oh, yeah. And it's blatantly yeah. obvious, but... It's a practical effect, you get... it, looks, it does look good. I, I like yeah, it. I do it does. Love, yeah. I love the firewalk. But obviously you see the whole head melting. It's very, very final. So yeah, yeah. after seeing that, hearing... Obviously we know without giving too much spoilers away, in Halloween 3, it doesn't revolve around Michael Myers. But we know there are further films in the franchise that do. And after the finality of that final scene, knowing that, well, Loomis was in that room when it went kaboom. Yeah, yeah. For him to come back, for Laurie to come back, and for Michael Myers to come back, it kind of adds a little bit of cheapness. Well, exactly. And um, that's a story for, you know, that's a conversation for when we get to the ones later in, in the franchise. But it is final. And yeah, it's a great ending. I think it ties things up well for Michael and for Loomis. I think it's quite poetic that Loomis is the one to take him out. You know, yeah, it kind absolutely. Of him his obsession as a story. I will say that the subplot of Laurie Strode being the sister, I don't like it. It doesn't work no. well for me. The fact that he, yeah, the fact that, he come, that he's come back. And also, like, Loomis has been his primary physician, psychiatrist for however many years, it's been 16 years or whatever. 
And then suddenly out of the blue, there's this woman from the hospital that comes up and says, oh, there's a file you never saw. And it tells you that Laurie Strode is a sister. Like, he would have seen this. It's a, it's a little bit implausible. It feels kind of shoehorned in. I know John Carpenter himself doesn't like it. And also in the Halloween 2018, they're very quick to uh, kill that timeline and erase the uh, the sibling connection, which I think works really well in the 2018 one. But again, that's a story for another time. So we've been talking for 40 minutes. Do you want to slap a bow on this one? Let us know your thoughts. Yes, I, I thought this one was better than the first one. Overall, it was a bit more watchable. And I think that's just because it wasn't as much about building the characters and stuff like that as the first one was about building the suspense. So, mm. yeah, it, it was all right. I wouldn't say it was excellent. It, there's a, a lot of continuity errors, a lot of unbelievability about this one. And as we said in the first podcast, I like my horror to be organic, believable. That said, I'm going to mark it out of 10 because that's what you decided at last time. We were going to do it out of 10 instead of five. So I'm going to give this one I'm going to say a six out of 10. So six flaming running Michael Myers out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I, I really like this film. I think it's a great little slasher movie. I say that there's a lot that I don't like in terms of the uh, the sibling stuff. I can look past it with Donald Pleasance doing Psycho Loomis and the kills being extra gory and less emphasis on silly acting and, and suspense and more on getting to the action. There's a lot more boobies in this movie. Uh, you can boobies! Tell, <laughs> you can tell that it's trying to keep up with, with Friday the 13th. And a very attractive nurse as well. Again, that kind of takes away its originality, but it definitely fits in with the times of when it came out. And yeah, the brutality just works for me in this movie. If it's a horror movie, I like seeing Michael being this sort of calculated, brutal killer. And I think it's a great movie. So this comes in, for me, I would say... Eight innocent victims being utterly pinned and destroyed by a police car out of ten. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Eight out of ten for me. I think this is a good that's movie. Not bad. That's not bad for a 40-year-old film. Yeah. Oh, I like I like old movies. This is definitely one of it, one of the high points for the franchise. Um, it's one that I always look forward to revisiting. So I'm assuming up next will be the third instalment in this franchise. Uh, so I'm yeah. looking forward to sort of seeing what that one entails. Again, I haven't seen that one. Um, yeah, so far, so glad to, be, glad, to see, glad to see you can count, mate. Um, so episode three is the third in the franchise. Well done. Um, <laughs> I almost know immediately that we're going to disagree on this movie. Um, <laughs> I have such strong feelings around this movie, which we will talk about next week. But yeah, Halloween three season of the witch. Looking forward to watching it again, guys. Let us know what you think. In the comments, remember to like, subscribe, check out the video, share if you can. Get us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash ebargore, Twitter at ebargore. And again, we will get around to doing the TikTok and the Snapchat and whatever else. But, you know, we're, we're old. We, we, we don't deal well with technology at the best. For anybody else that's old, you can check out the email down below. If you don't want to jump on the socials, the email address is scrolling across the screen at the moment. So, yeah, yeah hit us up. Tell us your yeah. thoughts. Insult us. Tell us that our views are shit and utterly ridiculous. Or if you agree with us, tell us. Uh, even if you've got any opinions on... If you think our views are shit, you know, you can keep those opinions to yourself. <laughs> fuck, fuck you. Go go home. You don't, you don't need to watch us. But even if you've got any opinions on tea... Anything yeah. like that. Hit us up on the socials. We want to know what you think about Yorkshire tea. What do you drink? Typhoon, Tetley, 
PG tips, any of that other Southern pissy tea. You want to know about that, that as well? That could lead to, to arguments as well. I only want positive comments about the show. <laughs> Sunshine and, and rainbows. Comments. This is a safe space, so I don't like any aggression. So, yeah. Is that why you're hiding behind a, an LED mask? No, that's because I was shot in both eyes. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, really? I know. I know. It's just an absolute mess. There's just brains and empty sockets everywhere. I was shot <laughs> six times. Six times. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks a lot, guys. We will be back next week with Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I'm Damien. I'm Tris. See you then. See you next week. Bye. Bye bye.